0: I'm James Edmondson from Ono Typeco, and you're listening to Ono Radio. On today's episode, I talked to Kea Vadgama, a recent graduate from the Type Design Master's program at the University of Reading in the UK. Kea is based in Toronto, has worked extensively in UI, and was the 2020 recipient of the May Lee Scholarship. We get into her frustrations with design Twitter, how she's also using social media for opportunities and how it is to be the only woman of color in a type design master's program during a global pandemic, and admits protests against racial injustice happening all over the world. Spoiler alert, it's not easy, but I hope you enjoy this interview with KF at I mean, I think a, a lot of what I know about just Various people in the type community is what I see online, you know, and following you on Instagram and on Twitter and stuff. And a couple of things caught my eye recently. First of all, um, your little mini fundraiser on Twitter, which I thought was so cool. And that kind of snowballed and raised like $4,000, right?
1: Yeah, um, I was pretty shocked, actually, because I've posted stuff like that before um, and it's gone pretty much ignored, so I'm really (laughs) kind of shocked that people actually uh, matched my donation.
0: What do you think was the thing that, like, actually made this one catch on?
1: Honestly, I think it's the fact that I follow, and I have a lot more um, people following me from, like, tech, to be honest. Really? Yeah, because they were the ones, like, designers, but... In tech, because um, they were the ones that were, the the first people to actually match my donations, and so then I was able to, you know, post updates that like, oh, I felt almost raised like a thousand dollars, and I yeah. think when people saw that, that like, oh, people right. are actually participating, um,
0: uh-huh.
1: it kind of snowballed from there. Um, but yeah, weirdly, I think tech Twitter is part of the reason.
0: That's interesting. Well, I mean, you could also guess that tech twitter might have uh funds available for donating that's that's maybe part of it see as an outsider i was like oh she's got this kind of following in the type community so what a great testament to the type (laughs) community this is that she raised someone but no not really it's more just the tech people with some cash
1: (laughs) i mean they did like type twitter did eventually um donate actually quite a few people Um, which was really uh, nice to see and um to, well to be honest I also did call out type twitter for not donating and
0: for oh wow well, I didn't see that
1: yeah I mean it's mostly just because like there are a lot of people um in type who make a living designing like fonts for scripts that are not native to them um sure. that are from India and mm-hmm. they were staying quiet on something that I think is pretty mm-hmm. important um, Yeah. so yeah I I kind of called out in a tweet <laughs> type Twitter. And then wow. I did notice after that is when I saw more people donating. That so, is
0: so interesting.
1: I guess shaming kind of works sometimes.
0: Well I mean <laughs> I guess you could look at it as shaming, right? Or you could look at it as just kind of giving people a little nudge also. Yeah. Um so that's that tweet um kind of uh, stood in notable contrast to me to this morning's tweet calling people out for going down the rabbit hole of criticizing the design of some app. I don't even know because I'm not really a part of that kind of design Twitter, you know, the sort of user interface design Twitter. I'm not into that, Um, but talking about that and ignoring what's going on in Palestine. So what... Where would you kind of like to see the conversation as someone who's kind of, um, you know, has has your eye on headlines and is aware of what's going on in the world, but is also a designer?
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, to be honest, like, I'm not, well, first of all, I just want to say, like, I'm clearly no expert on, like, all things, you know, happening with Palestine and all of that. But, like, I really think the bar is just so low. Like it would be nice to even just see like retweets from people in the design Mm -hmm. community. And we're not even seeing that, which Mm -hmm. I think is just so sad because I mean, I I don't think anyone is expecting to hear, you know, what everyone has to say or their opinion. It's more Mm -hmm. so like for me, it's like, you know, white people in design, they have the networks that need to be educated Um, and Uh told about these things that are happening. People on my network, they already know about it. So like, it kind of feels a bit like pointless sometimes when I retweet stuff, because I know that majority of the people that follow me are in the know about that kind of stuff.
0: You're preaching to the choir. Yeah. I mean, I I think I'm, I'm totally guilty of that. I, I think there's kind of this pull to stay in your own lane, um, for the most part, but it's, it's nice and it's refreshing to remember all the various communities kind of that we belong to, whether it's a type or tech or, um, just kind of being a person in the world, you know? Uh, but is it like patronizing to you when you see like companies or corporations kind of getting into that sort of stuff? I mean, yeah,
1: companies and corporations, like I think it can definitely come off like that, but it's still, in my opinion, better than nothing. Um, yeah, I mean, I I'm not advocating that like if you're not educated on something that you should just speak up about it anyway. Obviously, <laughs> like do your research and like kind of actually, kind of problematic, sure. Yeah, yeah, like actually, you know, try and understand what people are talking about. But I I think like you know it they're really like i said the bar is really low for what you can do and right. um you know people in palestine have been saying that social media has been helping a lot um uh-huh. the awareness uh, of what's yeah. happening there like it's actually been very helpful for them so yeah it's i think you know there are very small easy things that people can do and it's it's just a little sad to see um people not doing that but then getting very passionate about uh you know website redesigns like
0: who cares really that is definitely my first thought whenever i see these things or logos or or, or whatever and and i do care to some extent like if someone is going to ask for my opinion on those Mm -hmm. sorts of things like we can talk about it and stuff um but really investing um of energy into it completely unprovoked it doesn't it doesn't sound like fun it sounds like a lot less fun than actually just drawing or practicing calligraphy or working on typeface or any number of things that are are kind of better uses of my time at least but uh i could understand too that you know people want to sound um informed or in the know or or kind of uh give them a sort of pat on the back or being like well if i would have done it it would have come out a little bit better i think that's probably the subtext Mm -hmm. which is crazy to me because you know uh, uh, those sorts of jobs that have you know any amount of eyes on them just requires so many meetings and emails and so much project management behind that, that like, yeah. you know, maybe it would have gone better, dude, but probably not. I don't know. There might be just a, a little bit of um, ego stroking or ego driven kind of comments sure. in there. Um, let's kind of back up a little bit though, mm-hmm. because we mentioned Type It Cooper and... Yes. But to then get to Type-It Cooper, I think for a lot of people probably listening, that's something that they're maybe considering. But it seems like all the way back in 2014, you had like a Type Camp experience that maybe helped pave the way for just having like the bravery to apply it to something like Type-It Cooper. Could you talk about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, So in 2014, I think... I was, when I did type camp, I had just finished my third year of university Uh, and like, so I had just taken my first typeface design course. I was really excited about it and, Mm -hmm. you know, basically just trying to find a way to, you know, learn more about type um, and how to figure out how to even just start designing. Um, and so I had actually gotten in touch with um, Jerry Leonidas at Reading uh-huh. back yeah. then. And I asked him, you know, like, what are my chances of getting into this program, <laughs> which was wow. quite a reach back then. Um, but he basically Maybe, gave me, but... <laughs> I mean, it was a reach because I didn't get in.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. All right, there. But um,
1: <laughs> he gave me a whole list of things that I could do to sort of, Prepped myself a bit more for a master's program like Reading. Um, okay. I didn't even know about Type at Cooper at that point. Um, he a- actually told me about it. Um, and he just told me basically, you know, attend workshops, you can attend um, these sort of boot camp courses, mm-hmm. um, conferences, and stuff like that. And so, luckily, Type Camp was actually happening in Toronto that summer. Um, okay. So, Yeah, I attended, and it was more about lettering, like hand lettering and calligraphy with um, a broad-knit pen and, like, brush calligraphy, Uh Um, and weirdly, it, so it definitely motivated me to want to um, pursue type further, but not because of you know, the experience of the workshop itself, but because uh-huh. of the conversation I had with somebody who was leading the workshop, um, okay. I I basically asked this person, you know, um, because they had gone to writing themselves. And so I was like, hey, what do you think my chances are of getting into this program? Like, I would love any sort of feedback you have, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And they were just like, you know, I don't really think you're suited for typeface design, I think you would be better <laughs> for typesetting um, because you don't really no. seem to have an eye for detail.
0: Come <laughs> on. Are you serious?
1: Yeah, yeah. This
0: really happened from a professional. Yes. Th- this is such just heartbreaking bullshit to hear.
1: Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. But... All right. All right. Keep going. Sorry, sorry.
1: No, that's I apologize.
0: okay. Proceed.
1: Um. Yeah. So I was definitely motivated um, a little bit out of spite.
0: (laughs) Oh, my God. I have never heard of anything like this. Like I generally think or my experience in the type community has always been super encouraging. Anytime I've been like, hey, I kind of been thinking about this thing. Yeah. um, I remember having those kind of exact conversations with um, Antonio Cavadoni, uh, who used to work at Apple, and now is uh, doing his own thing. And I was like, hey, I really want to apply to type media. What do you think? And he was like, do it. Apply. Stop talking about it. Just do it. Yeah. And, and if you don't get in, apply again. And I was like, <laughs> okay, dude. Like, Message received. And, and it was super encouraging, but also just like um, I immediately kind of knew the next step from there. Mm-hmm. You kind of had the same end result, but the conversation <laughs> was so sad. God, fuck this person yeah. for saying that. Brutal.
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, it really sucked in the moment because I was uh-huh. super excited and, you know, just so uh-huh. happy to even be in this workshop. Um, but it was honestly quite motivating in the end. And like you said, it got the same results, which I mean, yeah, I mean, it definitely sucked, but yeah, um, it weirdly got me to where I am today. Um, so that I,
0: conversation happened in the midst of a, uh, like a multi-day, like a week long workshop. Is that what type camp was in Toronto for you?
1: No, it was only like two or three days. Oh, okay. And I think it was um, at the very end that I asked this okay. person. Okay
0: well i'm so glad it didn't happen at the beginning of the workshop you just (laughs) had to like keep hanging out so they told you you don't have an eye for detail you would be better at typesetting and you were motivated to totally prove them wrong and by all accounts it looks like you completely (laughs) have so (laughs) i don't know if you're looking for closure on that whole experience but it looks like you got it um Fast forwarding to now where you were the recipient of the Maylee Scholarship in 2020. Yes. You've been an intern at Black Foundry. Um, So what is it like now to kind of come full circle on what your dream was back then?
1: I mean, it's been a lot of things, I think. I think back then I had very specific expectations of what typeface design would be, mm-hmm. um, especially like as a practicing typeface designer. Um, and there's been like pros and cons, I would say. Uh, typeface design is a lot more tedious than I ever really <laughs> anticipated. Which, like, oh,
0: incredib- incredibly <laughs> tedious.
1: Yeah. In hindsight. It just never ends. Yeah. And in hindsight, it's like, yeah, you have just letter after letter, like it could never end if you wanted it to. So like, why sure. wouldn't it be tedious? But that, so that was something that I was not really expecting. Um, <laughs> but it's also been like so incredibly rewarding. And, you know, yeah, I it did start off with a kind of shitty experience. But mm-hmm. um, I've had so many people that have been encouraging along the way um and that have yeah like just just made me feel like i am capable and that i can do this um uh-huh. and i definitely suffer from major imposter syndrome we all do like yeah we, like everyone right <laughs>
0: some <laughs> but, some uh some strain of it as uh my friend matthew rex says we all have some he hasn't found one person that doesn't suffer from some strain of it which i think is a really yeah. interesting point like i personally think my version of imposter syndrome is not so much on the type design side like i know i'm not the best type designer like there are type designers that are better and faster and can design in more strips than i can you know um but I think my imposter syndrome is more like I think I'm bad at talking to clients and bad at mm. managing the professional side of things or coming across uh, as anything other than like a, uh, uh, a laid-back Californian dude who's like really just trying to make the whole experience super chill, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's what it is for me. What does it uh, look like specifically for you?
1: I think for me it's it's more to do with the fact that I'm a very reserved person to begin with and so when I do talk about something I don't want to be called out for saying something wrong so part of my motivation you know along with spite was <laughs> was the like I I just wanted to be credible in the things Uh that I said and did. So Mm -hmm. for me, like even though I did type at Cooper, it didn't give me the experience to design in other scripts. Sure. And so I I didn't,
0: that was five weeks, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I didn't think you know, that I could be taken seriously as a designer if I didn't have the experience to, to back it up. And so even even now, though, like, even now, now, like, I have the masters, I have the experience, like, I still mm-hmm. feel a little bit like, okay, well, it's only a little bit of experience. So I still need to be careful.
0: Well, on one hand, um, I kind of see you at the beginning of your career more or less. And that's why I thought it would be great to talk to you on the program here, because I really want to cover like a range of people that we're talking to. Like Mm -hmm. this week, it might be you. And then um, next week, we might be talking to someone with decades of experience, you know, and it's fun to kind of compare and contrast. Um, But I mean, think it was seven years ago that uh, you kind of Or eight years ago when you were working on your first Gujarati uh, and Latin typeface in school, right? That was like 2013-ish. Yeah. So we're coming up on a decade (laughs) of work here in the the type business. So what do you think there will be like, do you have specific markers in your mind where you're like, okay, once I can kind of check this box, I will relax in some way?
1: I guess, yeah, I guess like actually selling a typeface would be a big milestone for me hey.
0: <laughs> it's, it's it's good to it's good to make money or have the uh capitalist endorsement on your efforts here,
1: yeah, I mean, okay, I guess it's not even from that perspective, I guess it, it just I guess it just feels a lot more real if yeah. the work I've been doing can actually be be used by people because it's mm. one thing to post about, you know, what I've been doing on Instagram or Twitter, but another mm-hmm. thing to like see other people actually use it. And yeah. I mean, I'm also a little bit scared of that because, you know, you don't know what that's going to look like. And yeah. I, I also get a little bit scared that I'll see somebody else use my typefaces and I'll be like, Oh my God, they look terrible. I'm oh, a yeah. terrible designer. Why did I put this <laughs> out into the world?
0: Um uh, one thing that I mean of course like that is going to happen I think um or it, it happens to to me <laughs> quite a bit. Um but one thing that was kind of surprising to me after I started releasing type was that I don't get super thrilled about seeing like the big uses or even like like really well designed uses like I think that's cool Mm -hmm. but I think it's a lot more fulfilling for me when I see a friend use it or uh, a a friend like actually get some utility out of it yeah Or, or or for someone I know to say like hey this just made my life easier you know because whatever reason like that really moves the needle for me And all the other stuff just kind of begins to roll off my back in some way. Like, there's always um, a kind of sinking feeling, maybe. if You see it stretched or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know. There's so many things that people can do to kind of destroy your intention (laughs) of the typeface. But I don't think that should be something that really... um, gets in the way of like wanting to release something so now that now that you've kind of had uh an internship at black foundry how long was that
1: uh that was six months
0: okay so a a decent amount of time and you have your project from reading which is mango right which is awesome and is that kind of uh something you're continuing to work on and, and hope to release or are you on to other things now
1: yeah um, so mango is gonna be released with future fonts, so
0: oh, that's nice. very exciting <laughs> right on the perfect um, place for it, I think
1: yeah, and it's very much unfinished, so yeah, it is the perfect place for it, so I am continuing to work on it um i I did in when I was at writing, I did design like a bunch of weights with it, but I'm only gonna mm-hmm. be releasing just one weight across the board mm-hmm. um because I just want to completely start out over on my bold, but <laughs> but yeah, so I am going to be releasing, and like so, I was, so, I'm super excited.
0: Do we have a date for that release?
1: Yes, June 29th.
0: Oh, okay, so awesome. It's
1: quite soon.
0: Marking our calendars, and it has Latin and Gujarati, right? Yeah. So, what are the things that um, you kind of learned originally? with your first kind of project combining those two scripts and how has your kind of education at Reading um, kind of taken that stuff to the next level
1: well the very first project I did was while I was in school in Toronto and there were no resources for Uh me to reference so pretty much Like, my whole process of designing the Gujarati was insane. Um, I... Basically, what I did was I printed out... um, We were supposed to design a companion typeface for Source Sans. And so what I Uh did was I printed out Source Sans. And I used tracing paper to basically, like, mix and match, like, curves here and there to create Uh the Gujarati forms which like kind of, I have kind no
0: of, idea. You kind of Frankensteined it.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, which I, so I have no idea why I thought that was a good idea, but uh-huh. I had no frame of reference for how to design a Gujarati font, like, properly. So, sure. yeah, doing that and then, like, I remember there was one book that I found at a university that it would have been helpful, but it was just checked out permanently or something, so I never <laughs> got my hands on it so, um and then fast forward to reading like they have you know a whole library full of resources and references and like original drawings from yeah. Fiona Ross and things like that um unfortunately, not as much liter. Uh, literature specifically on Gujarati as I had hoped but enough that I was able to like learn a lot more and you know just even being able to talk with people like Fiona Ross like
0: uh-huh. that
1: is something you know that I could never have found anywhere else
0: Uh, uh-huh. and you learned that it's not really just tracing the exact curves from source say, which <laughs> I mean when I heard you kind of saying that I was like You know, I actually think that's a fantastic way to begin because you're beginning, you know, you're just like totally naive and you're like, I don't know how to do this and I'm just going to try one way. Like that's a fantastic way to begin. And maybe it's even kind of fun or interesting, like when you're um, a, a naive designer in that way. And then to kind of grow up a little bit and realize that Oh, actually, everything kind of comes from writing. So that's kind of yeah, how we have to exactly. begin with some sort of understanding of the calligraphy, the written version of it, and begin to abstract that. That's like the legit way. Yeah. But yeah, I think so many people that are studying type design in an undergrad program don't necessarily have anyone to guide them like that. And that's yeah. probably a pretty common experience. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I mean... Oh, sorry.
0: I I was going to say, it's uh, it's a pretty bold move to start designing in a different script in design school, right? Like, did it feel like you were definitely going off into your own territory there?
1: Yeah, I was pretty much... um, I didn't really have guidance from my prof, but I did have her support, which was really nice. Uh Um, But yeah, like, she didn't know much or well really anything about like designing Gujarati and I don't blame her for that (laughs) um so yeah and and every like there was actually one other student I think who designed an Arabic typeface um in my class as well but the brief was to design a Latin typeface I see um so I definitely you know didn't follow what I was supposed to do (laughs)
0: I think if someone tried to do that in a class that I was teaching, I would be like, I can't help you here. <laughs> like, I can't critique this work. I can't read the work. Maybe we could try to figure it out. So props to your uh, professor for actually yeah. just, like, going along with it. Um, cool. Well, I, I want to kind of come back to the future fonts thing real quick because this will be your first experience selling type. But Mm -hmm. all along, you've been working as a designer, and that's been paying the bills for you to some degree, I guess. So what does that part of your career look like right now?
1: So currently, I'm technically unemployed for the month of May. (laughs) I decided to take some time off after finishing up Black Foundry because I just didn't get a break after my master's. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm taking some time off, but, uh, I'm actually going to be starting a position in June as a brand designer. So I'm going to be pivoting a little bit, um, from even what I was doing before Black Foundry, which was Mm -hmm. more like UI, UX design. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to be doing brand design, which is quite new to me to just focus on that.
0: These three sound very very different like i can (laughs) i can do one thing basically so whenever i hear about someone who's also doing brand or also doing ui ux it's just a lot of different skills and like different software even so how how did this kind of change come about was that something that you designed specifically like you're kind of saying that you really want to get into brand or did just an opportunity kind of present itself?
1: I would say it's more, more that an opportunity presented itself. Mm-hmm. Um, I had actually posted on Twitter that I was available and, you know, looking for work in spring and or summer um, uh-huh. because I knew my contract was going to end with Black Foundry. So, and I actually had a ton of people reach out to me, which was really nice and um encouraging
0: uh-huh.
1: uh and then yeah i had someone reach out like i was mostly looking for ui ux because that's what i feel comfortable with mm-hmm. but i think the design industry has also kind of really moved on from what it ui used to be when i was doing it um and it's become very like product focused and especially in tech it's become very product focused and you know if you Aren't sort of keeping up with it in real time. You get left behind very quickly. So, yeah, um, I I was looking for that, but then I had somebody reach out to me about a brand design position because of my type um, experience, uh-huh. and and so that sort of is how I came across that opportunity, um, and it all just worked out for the best.
0: <laughs> oh well, that that sounds great. If you're stoked on it, I'm curious about um at this transition you've seen in ui ux what was it like before like you said now that it's kind of more just product focus very much like up to the minute and designers there have to keep their finger on the pulse of what's happening uh what was it like when you were more getting started in it
1: i mean it wasn't that long ago i would say that i started but even in like 2015 I I feel like there was less focus on like very strict and rigid processes in UI UX design or product design whatever you want to call it these days. Mm-hmm. Um whereas now I just you know I I had an interview with this pretty well-known company in Toronto and uh-huh. I completely bombed the design challenge that uh I I had to do with them and it it was live. Um, oh God! And, yeah, and I was working with like a senior design manager on this exercise, and uh-huh. um, they were like, "Okay, so here's the here's the sort of brief I and that you're going to be working with, uh, and we're going to do a whiteboarding exercise." And I was like, "What the fuck is a whiteboarding exercise?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know either. Don't, I've never done one I don't in my know. life. Um,
1: and so, and I was applying for like senior UX designer position uh, Uh and I had been so kindly referred for this interview as well but Uh I just completely bombed it because I was just like I don't know what this is like when did people start doing all this stuff like and (laughs) to do it live in an hour as a design challenge with somebody I've never worked with before like I was just like I'm not cut out for this And I obviously, I got rejected in the end.
0: (laughs) (laughs) At what point in the interview did you know that, like, this was not going to work out? Was it as soon as they pulled out the whiteboard? Is it literally a whiteboard in a whiteboard exercise?
1: Kind of, like a digital
0: version on
1: InVision. And then um,
0: you're you're just kind of, like, creating, like, a user flow or something like that? Like, I barely know what these words mean.
1: So that's what I thoughts okay see like this is the thing like I barely know what I'm talking about right now because I ha- because I decided to go do my master's right. and you know that whole year that I've been out of the game like uh-huh. I just I've completely just lost all my knowledge of like these different processes
0: uh-huh and does it feel good now to distance yourself a little bit from UIUX work
1: Before I would have said yes. Before my masters I would have said yes. But I, I going through that experience I found that, you know, typeface design is very tedious and yeah. I'm not the type of person who is cut out to just do that work all day every day. So yeah. like I I am I mean, yeah, I guess I'm I'm more so glad that I'm not just doing one thing full time. Sure. Um this branding design position I have now is going to allow me to work on like kind of all aspects of design which mm-hmm. is what I'm really excited about because I can kind of flex all of those different type design or sorry all those, those different design muscles so sure, I will be able to do a little bit of UI UX but then uh-huh. also a bit of type if I want to and yeah so I don't want to completely leave it behind.
0: Yeah. Well it sounds like there's suffering in every job, you know, yeah. and in and, in and, and, and type design, the suffering, I think, is definitely around production work and kerning, that sort of stuff to tedious yeah. things that you just have to force yourself through. And it's not like I never am more tired. My eyes just start closing as soon as I get into kerning. It's so so hard and maybe I shouldn't even be doing that stuff anymore but I think you're definitely not alone if you're finding some amount of frustration with those sorts of processes Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people that are more just interested in the kind of front end of the character set you know the the letters and the numbers basic punctuation and stuff and then begin to throw things off to other people that really excel at the tedious stuff
1: yeah
0: and creating just thousands of glyphs in all the different source drawings like I'm always amazed that people naturally have different skills in that way I think I fall into the trap of thinking everyone's brain works exactly like my brain (laughs) um and then really hiring this person uh Jamie that is our studio admin is like just such an eye-opening experience because She's good at all the stuff that I'm terrible at, basically. So that's all I wanted to say to you, that I think there is a, absolutely a place for you in type design, even if you're not one of these people that is just awesome at the tedious stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's sort of like the reason that I decided not to pursue type design like as a full-time thing anymore, because... I know that, like, you know, I can still be a part of the type design community, even if I'm not doing it 100% of my time. And I think that's also, like, that's the best sort of balance for me, Mm -hmm. just overall, anyway. So, yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from.
0: It's tricky, though, because with all this stuff, there's not, like, an obvious precedent to follow, you know? Uh, or, or do you have um, some sort of mentor or someone who's kind of illuminated that for you or is it all stuff that you figured out on your own? Like I'm this specific person and the path that I'm following is like very much my own.
1: Yeah. Uh, no, there there hasn't really been anyone that I'm kind of looking at what they've done and trying to emulate that or anything. It's, I've pretty much just, been seeing what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even Black Foundry, that was sort of by chance that I got that. Um, what happened? So I guess they had reached out to, um, Jerry at, at Reading and yeah. just said that they have an opportunity for a design intern that summer. So this was last, last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it ended up being like out of a class of twelve people, only three of us applied, uh-huh. so I mean my chances of getting it were pretty good <laughs>
0: <laughs> i mean and, not not uh not over fifty percent, we could say,
1: but still yeah, so um when like with everything that was happening because of like the pandemic and all of that, like it was really kind of up in the air for a long time about Mm -hmm. whether or not I would actually do this internship because it was supposed to be like in person in Paris Mm. you know in the office um and I think I mean it would have been amazing if I could have done that because I know I also would have just learned yeah I mean just being there would have been amazing but I I think I really could have learned a lot more um Uh as a typeface designer if I had been able to be there in person, like can kind of just get that real time feedback, yeah um versus you know it I was here in Toronto like six hours behind, mm. <laughs> so like a lot of the time I was just kind of working um by myself right but but yeah, like you know i never I never went into the masters program expecting to get a job out of it or an internship out of it or anything.
0: Probably a safe assumption, (laughs) I would say, for all these people that are going to these programs. There are just, like, no jobs in type design, really, and really, like, fewer internships. That's why I was, like, interested to talk to you about it and kind of see how you pulled that off because it's not like these things are a dime a dozen, you know? there's No. Probably, for the most part, type foundries are single people working alone i would say that might be the majority of them and then yeah. there's a handful that actually have like employees or interns or whatever um yeah that would have been awesome if you were able to really steep yourself in it and you know get like a little apartment in paris and stuff like that
1: i actually so i actually had one no I had way. like everything like all lined up to go oh my god and then and then I think it was like September rolled around and I was just like, y- y- France is like under lockdown. It's getting, yeah. it's only getting worse there. Like, why am I going to uproot my life again Yeah, just for six months and go yeah. there? So, Oof. I mean, like I, I could have gone and had that whole experience, but also, you know, my mental health after, you know, almost a year of a pandemic or half sure. a year of the pandemic. I was just like, I kind of want to go home as well. Yeah.
0: Oh, God, I completely understand that. And you were going to Reading at home, right? That started off in person and then you moved back home. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, no, actually, I stayed in Reading for the duration of the program. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it was in person from, like, September all the way until March of last year and then just switched to being completely online. And I think the majority of my class actually stayed in Reading. I think there was maybe one person that went back home.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, can I ask you what your mental health was like kind of after that year?
1: Pretty bad.
0: <laughs> really? What What does yeah. it look like when it's bad for you?
1: It looks like a lot of uh, low activation, like... The executive dysfunction really plays up for me uh-huh. when I'm in a bad mental state, and mm-hmm. I think I was really feeling that um towards the end of the year last year, um, mm-hmm. you know, even just towards the end of the program, like I was working you know all hours of the day to finish my uh dissertation mm-hmm. and you know do that's very different work than type design and it totally. just takes a lot out of you um and yeah like you know that on top of you know the pandemic and like everything else that happened last summer you know with mm-hmm. George Floyd and yeah sort of the everything to to do like surrounding race like that actually felt for me quite isolating when I mm-hmm. was in Reading because I was also, like, the only woman of color in my class. Uh-huh. There was only two people of color in my class, like, one of them being me. Uh-huh. And so it did feel quite isolating to be, like, so invested and so, like, worried about this huge civil rights movement that is happening. Right. And then to have it, to f- to feel like it's largely being ignored by the, right. the like, environment that I was in and... I guess it's kind of similar to like my tweet from earlier today. Like yeah. it just, it's like, it just felt like everybody had their heads in the sand and like I had friends that yeah. were out there protesting and I was worried for their safety. I was, yeah. you know, also worried like, oh my God, like what if I never see my parents again? What if they catch COVID? And like, I somehow never see them again. And I'm, cause I'm fucking here in England designing letters. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, I really reached a point where I was like, I, do not care about designing letters right now. Oh, yeah. I cannot believe I have to think about this. And, like, I'm on a deadline, so I have no choice but to just, like, push myself through it. Yeah. Ooh. So, yeah, it was really... A, it, a lot of days I just kind of, like, would sit at my desk, open my laptop, and just kind of stare at it and <laughs> not be able to do anything. Because... I just like could not get my mind off of like everything else that was happening in the world.
0: Yeah. God. Oh, my heart goes out to you. (laughs) Like this is so something that we were talking about because uh, we were teaching during that time as well. Yeah, And it just felt so fucking stupid to be talking about type design. And the way that I justified it in my mind was that, Type design is, was, kind of always will be, I think, some sort of an escape. Um, and it's really a place I go to feel like at rest and in control of what <laughs> what is all going on. But we totally had students. Um, we had one student who was an essential worker that was like really uh, having a tough time. And I think for the most part, students felt exactly like you, which was how are we supposed to care about this right now? Um, So I think the the kind of criteria for uh, how we are judging the course really changed. It kind of Mm -hmm. became um, wherever you are, that's kind of – okay with us sort of a thing, but that's a much different program and that's a certificate program and and there's no kind of um, formal education or degree attached to it. So I think about when there is, there's all this other uh, uh, other pressure to keep up sort of the validity of the program, you know, and and that kind of seems like that's what was happening. But, oh man, it's so so brutal to have all of those pressures happening at the same time and it just all makes you want to stop work and really do nothing I don't know is that kind of how you felt or or was there any sort of saving grace or practice that you found helped you through it
1: yeah I mean I unfortunately for me like typeface design is not really an escape (laughs) I guess in the way that you described it for me like it's more when I'm in a good mental state, then I'm able to thrive creatively. Mm -hmm. But when it's not there for me, like I kind of, I tend to sort of spiral and just kind of leave behind the, the creative work that I'm doing because I, you know, my heart's just not in it. Mm -hmm. So I think for the first two weeks, at least after the, everything with George Floyd, like I, I didn't work. I yeah. couldn't, um, and yeah, it was. It was. I was really just forcing myself, and I think part of me was also like just really like I knew I was kind of letting myself down because I had done so much work for years to get mm-hmm. into this program, mm-hmm. and now that I was there, I was like, I don't care about fonts.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it
1: cruel like, the
0: way the universe works yeah. like that?
1: <laughs> yeah my weirdly my one saving grace was actually I had had two I guess one was the fact that like my roommates were never at home they they um they would go back to their parents like very often and for very Uh long periods of time Mm -hmm. and so I had this house to myself, which was really nice because I don't like to be around people. Um, (laughs) so that was actually quite nice for me to just have my own space to myself Uh and to have a, a, you know, a backyard. Um, you know, many of my classmates were in the dorms and just stuck in these tiny little depressing rooms all day. So that was definitely a saving grace for me. Um, and then the other was, um, weirdly like i I bought a nintendo switch i think like everybody was doing around that time (laughs) and so i just started playing video games that have like you know absolutely nothing to do with design or creativity and they expect nothing from me except to you know build a little farm or something
0: yeah so that was your escape yeah was was your fortress of solitude in a nintendo (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean, yeah, it doesn't sound too bad. The first thing I thought when you said, I don't like being around other people, I was like, wow, you're really sounding quite a bit like a type designer right now. I think that could really be a, a, a good match. Um, all right. So just to bring us up to, to present day and June 28th, you said, mm-hmm. is when you are going to be, be releasing Mango on future fonts. That's correct?
1: uh 29th
0: 29th June 29th June 29th yeah and what what does best case scenario of that release uh look like for you in your wildest hopes and dreams
1: in terms of like
0: I don't know reception and sales and stuff like that
1: I mean it would be nice to have a few sales on the first (laughs) day but I I I don't really have actually any specific expectations for when I release it.
0: Good strategy. Uh,
1: it's more so just like the fact that I'm releasing it is the big thing for me, totally. um, and it is sort of a little "f you" in the face of people who have doubted me. <laughs>
0: that <laughs> like, that nasty teacher. Oh God, yeah. it's so it's so sweet. I I'm so just. Proud of you for that. And like, really, I don't know, a lot of people would get that sort of feedback and and be like, okay, and and go along with it. You know, I think that's kind of how I take rejection. And I work a lot better under just like praise. I think I had a teacher in school who took me aside. It wasn't even my teacher. And just said, hey, you look like you're really into this. You should do it for five years, you know. And and that was such a monumental piece of advice. You had yeah. the total opposite kind of thing happen to you. Um, but you still got it together and knocked it out of the park. Um, well, oh, thank you. <laughs> I wish you a ton of success with your first commercial typeface release. I thank think you, you you might be more well suited to type design than you even realize you are <laughs> at the moment, and uh it's so great to talk to you at this kind of really pivotal year in your career
1: yeah uh, thank you so much and i i'm so i don't know like grateful you even asked me to be on this uh podcast i I listened to the like to all episodes actually and I was really kind of shocked that when you reached out to me, but I'm I'm grateful because I've also been like a huge fan of yours for years. Just casually well, fangirling here.
0: Thank but, <laughs> thank you for that. I totally appreciate it. And yeah, it's it's my goal with the podcast that we get all sorts of different voices and people at different parts in their career. So I yeah. think it's really great to get kind of the recent graduate perspective as you're beginning to enter into this field professionally even though it might only be part time for now but just
1: yeah yeah, for now
0: (laughs) all right well it was so great to talk to you yeah
1: thank you it was great to talk to you as well
0: I want to thank Kaya for coming on the podcast and being totally emotionally honest about her experience in school please be on the lookout for her typeface mango coming out on future fonts June 29th and we will wish her luck in whatever is next. Today's episode was produced by me and Jamie Odelsberg. Theme music is always provided by Wolfpack, the world's funkiest rhythm section. If you like the podcast and want to support, I'd say now you can leave us a good review if you want. If you need fonts, head on over to onotype.co. On Tuesday, we have a new one coming out called Irregardless. I'm super excited about it. We'll catch you next week when we talk to the OG of modern type design, That's right. Matthew Carter himself. I'm just kidding. We're not talking to Matthew Carter next week. Uh,
1: Maybe sometime in the future. Probably not. Anyways, see you next time.